Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. Ever wondered what it's like being part of a men's session? Andrew and I invited our good friend, D.A., to talk about the vocation of marriage from the perspective of the husband and the father. We share about our own experiences and fears for marriage, and then talk about how we might want to raise any sons, God willing, to become men. Hope you enjoy our discussion. So it's great to be among friends, and for the first time in a little bit, Andrew and I have a new guest on our episode on, on our podcast yeah, and on this episode. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, and so we're excited to welcome a friend of ours, a good friend of ours, and a new friend of the show. I've bestowed upon <laughs> you this title. I don't know if we've had enough people on to be saying They're that. all friends of our show. You're right. We're you, the first friend of the pod. Uh, <laughs> no, I think we have a few of those. <laughs> first one was probably Father Raph, I think. You're right. So, yeah. Uh, I don't think you can take Father Raph's spot. But the voice you just heard, man. the voice you just heard is the voice of our friend D.A., which stands for Daniel something. I probably should have checked this <laughs> <That's laughs> never awesome. referred Daniel, to. Daniel Allen. Daniel, Daniel Allen. Yeah. Oh. Did you just learn this too? Yeah, I was. I, I'm pretty sure I knew. I'm pretty sure I knew. I but. definitely didn't. Yeah. I just assumed it's your first and last name. Okay, so everyone, including the three of us, or the two of us, I guess, just <laughs> learned what DA stood for. I've never referred to you as now we can Daniel Allen in my life. So. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. But uh, welcome to the show. This is your first podcast that you've ever been on. We're excited to have you on. I hope you're excited to be on. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Uh, it's, yeah, like I said, I, I, I'm a huge, like, podcast fan. Yeah. And I always listen to podcasts, but I've never, I've always thought what it would like to be in the seat. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of, like, podcast-worthy conversations with people. Yeah, for sure. So it'd be interesting to see how it translates to an actual podcast. Well, hopefully this conversation <laughs> yeah. that we're having today will be worthy of yeah. a podcast. Um, but I think I think that's actually the genesis of our episode even, or sorry, of our podcast, just being that, you know, Andrew and I, obviously between the two of us, but also with a lot of our other friends, yeah. including yourself. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have conversations where we're just like, hey, it would be cool if we could share this yeah, with yeah. people around us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we're going to try to go for today. Um and today, I think we uh, we want to talk about uh, the marriage. Sorry, the vocation of marriage, yeah. which I guess we've talked about a few times now on this podcast. You're right, it's Andrew. Been a long you, time um, yeah, we're going to scrap this whole episode, yeah. <laughs> edit, and change, change, change <laughs> avenues right now. Um, yeah, we've talked about this a few times. I think Andrew, having you, you having been uh, been through marriage yourself, yeah. um, almost a year in now, and uh, in case you missed the news, I am now engaged. But for a while, I've been sharing about. How? Which really messed up our pod. But. Yeah, yeah. So the original idea for this was that. Um, so gonna... I I had this moment yeah. where I was like, all right, it'd be really cool to talk about marriage from men, but to have someone dating, someone engaged, and someone married. Whoops. And then <laughs> Jason had to go and get engaged. So now I'm just double teamed. But uh... yeah, I'm just three weeks off of getting engaged. I guess so. It's not too far off. Yeah. Um, and we can go newly engaged, newly engaged, yeah. halfway through engagement and. Married. Married, yeah. As if there's a 10-year engagement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our new angle here. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll hit, hit that up a bit. Um, I think we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, the vocation of marriage, kind of what it means to each of us. And I think, you know, when it comes to thinking about being a husband, being a father, um, you know, what does that look like to us in, in a few different ways? And yeah. break that down a little bit. Um, and otherwise, just have good conversation among men. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a little uh, men's session like, recorded <laughs> on the podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's get into it here. Um, you know, with the vocation of marriage. Uh, so, I guess we've been discerning it again. Andrew, you've been living it for almost a year now, but yeah. um, we've been discerning it for a while. Um, easy and simple. What does what does that vocation of marriage mean to each of us? And Andrew, maybe I'll let you start. Yeah, and maybe even more specifically, what does the vocation mean as a husband? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, this is a, a piece where there is um, the vocation overall. You know, I've talked about this enough times now on the pod, but, but vocation with a big V being, you know, how are we going to get to heaven? What is, what is that most uh, proper path for God to bring us into his fullness? Um, and as a man in marriage, you know, that means bringing my manhood into this vocation together with my spouse, 
so that both of us can learn more about love. Both, both of us can kind of receive that love from each other and go forward, right? And to me, particularly as a man, that means that I need to give love in the way that I can as, as um, you know, the, the a pillar of a household, if you will, right? Um, where that is a different type of affirming love, where I can cherish Cherry in a way that is particular to men cherishing women. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for me to be loved by a woman uh, and being able to kind of witness that together. So I think that really, if I were to summarize marriage, it's, it is being led to heaven by that dynamicism between male and female in, in marriage. Mm-hmm. You have any thoughts on what your discernment means to for, for becoming a husband? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like early on in my life when I, when I was dating and trying to find the right partner that I would uh, eventually, uh, you know, get married to, um, one of my spiritual directors had told me that the goal of being a man is to, and, and I guess in the context of a relationship, more so in the context of uh, marriage, is to protect, provide, protect, and procreate. Yeah. Mm. And I think I may have shared this with you or, or someone um, before, but those three things kind of stayed with me as I as I began my pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and pursuit, you know, thankfully, they kind of like all came into fruition when I met Gabby. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I find, you know, as being engaged now and as as the time goes on, I find that I, I find, find myself in different, I guess, seasons of engagement where where marriage takes on a different meaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, the thing that's been really um, kind of at the forefront of my mind or my my discernment as as we, you know we're continuing to prepare for marriage is how to live my marriage with the spousal love that Jesus had for the church, and. Um, I remember a distinct moment in prayer um, when I started to relate to the cross in a whole different way. Mm. Um, you know, we see the crucifix and we see Jesus there every Sunday, and it's um, I know. I mean, I guess if you're like, it's so easy to get used to that image and seeing seeing him on the cross that way. Um, but I, I read somewhere that. Like, you'll never know what it's like to live that spousal love until you actually are called to it. Yeah. And there's there's a time in our in our engagement where I was kind of forced to, you know, reflect and look at my life and be like, you know, what are you doing here? Like, mm-hmm. why, why, are, why are you being called to marriage? What, like, um, how are you going to live this out? And I think for me, marriage is that, um, that share, like, you know, we, we know that, uh, as sons, like we share in this, um, like Jesus shares in our humanity, we share in his sonship with the Father. Um, but in particular, we share in his mission to love his spouse, our spouses, the way he loved his. And how did he do it? He did it on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, from kind of right now in the season that I'm in, I'm really attached to the image of Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, Mother Teresa she has this reflection on the sacred heart um like jesus's thirst for for humanity and thirst for us as his uh like the father's heart for his for his children and so um you know on top of the the image of the crucifix it's also this this hunger and this thirst for my spouse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and this thirst that i have to provide those three things right to provide life to give her new life um, and to you know bring new life in the context of a family, mm-hmm. um, to to provide and to protect yeah. and and I think if you think about what the role of the husband is in the family unit, it's yeah. kind of that like you have to be like the you know like you're the it's like a mini church it is it's kind it's of how yeah, yes, right? yeah so as as kind of the head of that and leader and protector of that um, I think we're given. As husbands and men, and you know, men primarily, but husbands in the context of vocation of the vocation, like we're really um, uh, we're kind of bestowed upon, like this responsibility. It's like a stewardship. Yeah, like we're, it's bestowed upon us from the Father. But I think it's not so much like what we do as as from our own power that that 
uh, is able to manifest those three things. It's yeah. it's just the grace received from the vocation that allows us to um, live that out fully. Right? Totally. So, yeah. but I think for me, it begins with like identifying with the cross and 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 seeing yourself up there. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. In in one fell swoop, everyone listening now understands why we invited DA <laughs> onto this podcast. The amount of wisdom you just shared in the last few minutes, right. um, but. I love that you started with linking this vocation to the image of Jesus on the cross, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that's that's what this vocation of marriage is about. I think you know if we were to zoom out a little bit and talk about it from a bigger pers- bigger picture perspective, um, that's what love is about—the idea of sacrificial love, true love. Um, you know, whether it be for your spouse or for others, is the idea of you sacrificing yourself. Um, I think. Kind of the, one of the, if I can play the uh, newly engaged card a little bit, I think one of the first answers to this question is kind of like, oh, you know, it's it's um, it's kind of a place where, you know, you're reaching, it's like a next stage of life. And I think that's kind of a very simple and easy answer to hit. Um, but I, I, I think the most important thing is that you are still keeping your eyes on getting into the kingdom of heaven of reuniting yourself with the father and that our Lord has called us to this almost method of, of doing so right through loving your spouse, through bringing up the family. Um, and all of those things will kind of culminate in a hundred thousand different opportunities to practice sacrificial love, to put yourself on the cross of Jesus. Um, and, and yeah, like, you know, bring yourself, bring your spouse, bring your, your children um, and your friends closer to heaven um, through through this witness of marriage. Totally. I think it's, it's great that you touched on um, kind of mirroring ourselves to Christ as men in this particular context, because it's, that's, it's the second part of that uh, Ephesians passage that everyone gets hung up on, right? Mm. The wisely subject to your husbands, um, where you know people get caught up in the translation of it. But a lot of people don't realize that right after that is husbands love your wives, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it is wise it's wisely subject to your husbands. And then it's like and husbands like die for your wife. Mm-hmm. Like your life yeah. is forfeit for your wife. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you know, you're touching on here in terms of how real it is and why it's important, um, particularly because of the graces required to do that, mm-hmm. right? I think that's a piece that um, being almost a year into marriage now and, and talking to other married couples, it's really interesting because um, I come across enough uh, other married folk who are not married in the faith or maybe are married in a church, have been married in a church, but haven't spent any time thinking about marriage as a vocation. Mm-hmm. And what what's really obviously missing is any concept of grace and also any concept of where you're trying to go, right? Like, what's the point? In a sense, like, marriage seems to be the pinnacle for them. Yeah. And it's, you know, when, when marriage is as a status is the pinnacle, like, where am I going from here? Mm-hmm. Versus Christ loved the church for a reason. Right. Like that's a piece that we need to unpack here. Right. Like Christ didn't just give himself up for the church because he had nothing else to do on a Friday. You know, like there there is a reason Christ came down uh, into humanity to raise us up into his divinity. And then that same way we need to be as men helping raise up our domestic church into divinity. But we know the three of us, like we are not divine, right? Like we can't do that the same way. So it mm-hmm. has to be grace, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no way we do it on our, by our own power. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, in every man's life, there comes a moment where you realize that you need, like you can't save yourself and you have to really rely on God's grace. And I think speaking from just like a conversion perspective, like yeah. I think everyone can can think about a time in their life where, um, yeah, you were just in your darkest moment and you realize you, like nothing you could do out of your own willpower could save you. Yeah. And and the grace of God came through and came through in a big way. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just I think about moments like that in my own life and and recognizing like that grace doesn't only exist in my own personal relationship with God, mm. but in this new role that I'm called into as a husband and father, that grace is not just there but i think it abounds right because yeah. it's it's in you're now entering this um stage in your life where you are given 
a roadmap to heaven, right? And yeah. you're given this, yeah. um, the kind of like milestones. I would say milestones, but like, like you have you have a wife, you have children, you 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 become grandparents, and for sure, and the whole thing, right? And and I think it's like this being, this idea of being sent out, or this kind of this mission that that being a father and husband is, in as much as it's a um, a way of life, a calling, or whatever. But it's it's also I think I think it's it's easy it's it's beneficial I would say for men to look at their vocation as a as a mission towards something as you said like you we want to take this domestic church to heaven and I think for men the way our hearts are wired it's just it just makes sense for us to think that way yeah. um, and it, it brings something else out of us that that we that's kind of untapped yeah right and and we can access that um, through the supernatural grace that comes from marriage but also like through yeah through prayer right yeah. i think that's the number one source of grace right and For sacraments sure. too so yeah and i think what it is is god is calling us to action right like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of um we've referred a few times now you know milestones or roadmap or you know the word i was just about to use is like oh you know what's kind of that next step to to go and act go and do things right sure. and i think as um i think as as men um, you know, often the tendency is within our natural instinct to go and do something about a problem, yeah. go and solve mm-hmm. this problem or yeah. whatever. And so we are, we're wired to look at this, um, this new, uh, whether it's a stage of life or this new beautiful vocation that we're called to. And it's kind of like, Hey, um, what can I do further to, uh, bring myself closer to heaven as we've already touched on and bring my spouse closer to heaven and, and all the people around us. I actually think this t- taps into like the next little topic mm-hmm. we wanted to touch on here, which was what are our fears for being a good husband? Um, and one of the major ones for me is is my concupiscence, right? Is mm-hmm. is kind of this exactly what you're talking about? Like I know that I have this mission, so and already by saying this, like, and I'm gonna do this so that I yeah. raise my family to heaven. All of it is about what am I doing in my own power. Mm-hmm. And just realizing that to your point, DA, like we don't have the power to do this. It has to be through grace. I, I, I had this revelation recently um, that uh, in, in uh, listening to another pod, um, I don't know how to fulfill myself. And it's like this kind of really interesting realization where like, I think all of us, if we reflect any and every time I've, we thought of like, this is the pinnacle that I'm going to achieve for whatever purpose and you go through the different steps that you need to get there. I'm going to get, you know, to this level in my career. I'm going to, you know, finish whatever project. Yeah, you'll probably feel a little bit good when you finish it, but it's also just not quite as fulfilling as you thought it would be. Yeah. It always leaves a little bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. Whereas those places where this actually, like, you're in the you're in the thick of something, this sucks, I don't know what's going on, and then God comes through, pulls through and you're like I am filled in a way that I could never have done for myself like that realization that I don't know how to fulfill myself is such a a almost weirdly freeing thing where it's like but God does Mm -hmm. so all I can follow blindly Mm -hmm. God does so I can open myself to grace but then the fear is whenever I start down this path for me my own tendency is like oh I see where you're going God let me let me take the next Mm -hmm. step for you let me finish off this this piece for you let me kind of step into this and like push us over the finish line and that just never works <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean i think it's it's great that um you know in recognizing the spear you're already at a place where it actually basically just sounds like you conquered it to be honest um but like i think you recognize like hey in the moment in the future where my own concupiscence might take hold of me or this kind of fear might crop up you're already you already have a plan for that um, and I think knowing that in advance is definitely going to, well, I mean, to say the least, to help. Um, and, and I think that's something that everyone kind of needs a lesson on in, in terms of, hey, like, look, like, looking into the future is always scary, right? The three of us were like roughly barely into our 30s, not even there. Um, <laughs> so, but like, you know, there's a lot of life ahead. And I think being able to kind of discern those moments where um, you really need to rely on the grace of God um, is something that we need to build into kind of our regular habits, our regular daily discernment yeah. um, to be able to kind of uh, 
just be like, God, like I, I know I'm, I'm probably going to fail here. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's okay because you're going to be around. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? What are your fears for being a husband? Um, well for me, I, I think a lot about how my, how my wounds will play into my, how I act as a husband and father. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, Jason, we spoke about this like before about like fear, having fears of wounding our kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, it's, yeah, it, I think being hyper, being aware of your wounds is, is, uh, I think it's half the battle. And I, I was talking to my brother about this and he had just came from a silent retreat and we were kind of debriefing about it after. And he said, he's like, yeah, I just brought it to the priest. Like, what does healing look like? You know? And I think a lot of us have this question of like, yeah. like you go to retreats and you think, like, how do I heal? How do I heal? How do I heal? And, um, you know, is, is knowing about them enough? Is knowing the inside, in and outs of, of my wounds? Is that enough? And for some, for a lot of people and myself included, like, I don't think so. Like, it's not, it's not enough to just know. Um, but there's also nothing more you can do out of your own will to kind of bring about that own healing in your yeah. own, in your own, uh, in your own life. So, uh, and you know, to to just piggyback on your point, Andrew, like it's it's really really comes down to just trusting in this like supernatural grace that comes from the Father, and it's really rooted, in, I think, in the con- in the context of of men. I think it's really rooted in our sonship and how, and how do you, um, like how do you just stay in that in that little pocket, you know? Yeah. Um, and and kind of what's the disposition that your heart needs to be in? Like, are you trusting? Are you not trusting? Are you are you, um, like, what are the intentions of your actions and things like that? Uh, yeah. So I think I think like being being really introspective about that kind of stuff is half the battle. But the other part is just fully trusting that, like you said, like. I may fail, but like the father's gonna come through, yeah. and the father comes through. I find like in in, in larger ways than we could even imagine. I yeah, yeah. I, I always remember this, um, yeah, the story of the prodigal son, right, and how how the son who squandered his inheritance came back, and despite how he failed, or how much he like you know how much he stole from his father. And what he did with that money and all the rest of it, like how, how, how the father kind of lavished him, and I think to live in this, uh, in that mindset of knowing that, okay, God is like as long as I'm living in this, like, um, in this sonship and, and living in this, like, in that pocket, right? That's what you say, um, like the father's gonna gonna bless me abundantly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so so for those who weren't part of the conversation that DA and I had, kind of the question that um, we were talking about something else, and I, I just kind of raised was just like on the question, <clears throat> uh, sorry, on the topic of wounding our kids. My question was, like, I, I think it's pretty much inevitable that as part of being a parent, as part of being a father, in some way or another, you are going to create some kind of wound uh, within your child, right? Hopefully, most of the time, unintentional, I'm sure. But, like, obviously, having lived lived it ourselves, like, we've all gone through experiences uh, where, you know, something with your own father or something with your own parents or with your own family, a a wound has been created and healing is needed. I think that's just just kind of um, a given. Uh, It's just part of being imperfect human beings um, and part of our own concupiscence affecting others kind of thing. So, you know, hopefully, uh, like, I don't think that's breaking news. Um, but I think it's something that we don't uh, think about, you know, which is, I mean, probably a good thing. Like DA mentioned, you know, we don't need to, like, hyper-analyze it. But yeah. I think within the context of this, discussion, of this discussion, it's a good question to think about. Because, yeah, like, my fear can definitely be related to that. It's like, where am I going to have a misstep that will lead to my child being hurt um, emotionally or spiritually, um, am I going to do something that will turn my child away from the church? Right. Or maybe it's not even me doing something. Maybe it's the opposite of that, the opposite of that, where I haven't done enough of something. Yeah. Um, and you can't, these are just questions that you can only pose theoretically at this, at this yeah, stage, yeah. right? You can never really truly plan for something like that. I think you do your best, but I think it's also the follow-up that matters in that, 
hey, maybe you have created a wound, but there's always going to be that opportunity for reconciliation and that opportunity for healing. And I've lived that as well, right? Um, with my parents, with friends, yeah. like with friends where I thought I wouldn't have conversations with them um, ever again. But yeah, yeah. like, I don't know, five, six, seven years after the thing happened, after the wound was created, I was able to reconcile. And I, I know in that moment, I was so grateful to God for that, for that grace. Um, and so if anyone kind of is hearing this and they're like, hey, that's a great point by Jason and DA. <laughs> um, yeah, like I think there, there, there might be that moment of creating the wound, but I think there's always going to be that opportunity at some point, um, God willing, that there will be an opportunity to heal as well. I have a couple thoughts here too. Um, and and uh, in particular, um, one is that this, this props up another fear in me, which is, finding a good balance of being authoritative and being loving knowing that in a lot of ways um men ought to be the disciplinary figure in the home um i know that's going to be a really tough line for me because i have a tendency to either overcompensate and not be particularly strict or get too strict and almost be a little bit harsh um and and that's that's one fear in me right it's like you know can i find that balance where i'm authoritative but it's not a question of whether or not I'm loving. I, I've referenced this this Bishop Aaron Pod a couple times now in terms of passing on the faith to the children. It's a really great one. So if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to. And he talks about like in every faith that they studied uh, in this book. Um, I don't remember who wrote the book, but in every in every uh, faith that was studied there, because it wasn't only for Christianity for Catholicism. It was always the authoritative authoritative but loving parents. Where if the if the child didn't follow through something the parent would make it clear that that's not cool but it was never a question of whether or not you love me it was never a question mm -hmm. of that it was just this wasn't the agreement and i have failed in this thing but i'm still loved so that's one that i'm terrified that i won't be able to find that balance but another thing that kind of came to mind as you guys were talking was also um i mean i say this this way enough times in our pod kind of like getting over ourselves in terms of like Realizing that we're not that big of a deal. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in, in a weird way, um, you know, the wounds probably matter more than we know. And what I mean by this right. is who's to say that, I mean, in, in each of us, right? Like we would look at our wounds and realistically speaking, we have built a certain type of compassion, a certain type of empathy, a certain type of way for us to be a better Catholic man because of those wounds. Yes. And in that same way, like, Maybe this is the mystery of God's perfection yeah. in that using our imperfection, he creates the saints the world needs, you know, like that's a piece here where I'm like, I don't know how that works. Yeah. I don't know how the grace is in this where like God wanted me to be impatient there. God wanted me to learn about patience through that. And God wanted my son to learn about what it's like to have an impatient father. You know, like what does that turn into when they are, 30 when they're 50 when the world is needing whatever you know? mm -hmm. like i think with that specific example um i would wonder if it's not that god wants you to be impatient right. kind of like uh if i were to quickly zoom out slightly tangentially um it's like the, the whole concept of like did god bring sin into the world no right no he didn't but he can make something out of it make yes. something greater out of it so in that moment maybe you were impatient but and, and maybe that led to a, a moment of of, of woundedness or, or of sin or something but god can make something out that's of that correction, grace. yeah yeah. That's a good yeah so so i i think but you're right and from a practical perspective it's kind of like well you just can't plan too far ahead for these kind of things you yeah. just can't um but i think it's important to keep it in mind to for keep sure. it on your heart yeah mm -hmm. definitely not not saying like all right so <laughs> Continue, Go out. Continue wound. on with your flaws. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wound everyone around. <laughs> <laughs> and just tell them you'll be better off for it. Yeah. Um, no, definitely not. But yeah, that balance, just going back to the authoritative yeah. and loving piece, like that is one that terrifies me. Like how well can I communicate to my children that I'm loving them? How well can I kind of uh, in, imprint on them that, you know, the point isn't the discipline. The point isn't like that I'm mad at them. Um, how clear can I find that balance? It's one that, because I, I, I kind of have this tipping point. I, I don't particularly, I'm not a gradual person with my temper. It's like, yeah. I'm fine until I'm not. <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. I just 
blows up mm-hmm. and it's like will like how will i deal with that with my children um yeah, yeah i think um to, I think the point that Jason made about the follow-up, you know, being being forgiving and or sorry, being well, I think as the father, like being sorry. Yeah. yeah. I I can just recall relationships in my own life, you know, not my parents, but just friends, where you you actually just apologize. Like I think me personally, there are very few relationships in my life where I actually say sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> like sorry in a in a very like in the context of like a big fight, yeah. you know, um, and. There, the moments where I really had to fight myself to actually go and apologize to someone, right? Um, it it did so much for the relationship. Like yeah. it, it just it it deepened it in, in ways that I could never imagine. Mm. And it takes away this superficiality of the relationship, and it makes it meaningful. Right. And you know, my my own dad. Like I've had, there have been moments where he's you know when I was younger. He did tell me sorry. He did mm-hmm. tell me that, like, you know, I love you and, and this is not who I want to be kind of thing. And that really deepened my relationship with him. And I think, you know, we'll never be perfect fathers. And I think that's probably to our children's, uh, you know, like you said, like the father will allow these these wounds in, in our children's lives because it directs them to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's true. That's true for just conversion. Yeah. And I think we need to believe that as as future fathers and husbands to our spouses, yeah. we may even like wound our spouse, yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. that itself becomes a vehicle uh, to trusting the Lord. Yeah. And so, but yeah, to, to to go back to your your statement about being authoritative and loving, I think be authoritative, authoritative, but if you go too far, say sorry. Yeah. And and yeah. let the kid know that you're sorry. Let your wife know that you're sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think that just that humility and being sorry uh it brings out forgiveness from that person and then i think love abounds you know yeah yeah so much of um deep-rooted kind of i don't know i can't come up with a better word so deep-rooted grudges or just deep wounds let's go with that comes from this place of knowing that you've been wronged and then just not feeling like that other party who has wronged you has a acknowledged it and b will do something about it yeah when you say sorry in a truly meaningful way it does both of those things you communicate that you have done something wrong you you tell the person that you see that what you did was wrong and then when you promise uh, or make a commitment that you're going to do something better you're not promising that you'll do it right or that you'll be perfect next time but you're just saying that you're going to try and I think at the end of the day, when it comes to a lot of these conversations, uh, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's uh, with your own child, whether it's with a friend, since we brought that up, um, a lot of the time what people are just asking for is just for those two things, just to be seen, to know that um, to know that something that you did hurt them, and then just that next time you're going to try to be better. No one rarely ever expects true perfection. Yeah. I, I think we all know that. So... Um, but I, I love that you brought up that a big part is just communicating this apology, communicating that you're sorry. Um, which kind of brings me to another question that I, I, I've been considering is like, in general, maybe more so for being a man, like, do you think it's hard to be vulnerable? Like, whether it's our natural disposition, whether it's just the way the environment we've been raised in, this whole idea that men have to be tough and stone faced and all <laughs> that. that. Do, you th- do you think it's hard to be vulnerable as a man? I, I don't. I, I think it's a myth, and I, I think it's um, it's one that's built up by society. Um, so what I mean by that is, I think overall, every everyone has their insecurities. I don't think that's specific to our manhood, um, and our insecurities will manifest in different ways. For for men, I think typically that that kind of builds this stone wall of, you know, well, what what image should I put forward as society, right? In the same way for women, if they have an insecurity, what image should I put forward of what woman I should be, right? And I think that that is something that's universal in terms of being vulnerable. Women might put forward, like their their perfect woman might seem to be more emotional, but I don't think that's necessarily more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that there is anything particular male or female about vulnerability, but I do think that when we find our identity as children of God, like that's what opens that up where, uh, my wounds don't define me. What I've done, what I'm doing doesn't define me. 
Um, and, you know, I can be a crier and still be a strong man. Mm-hmm. And, like, those two are completely decoupled things, you know. I famously, whenever I'm with Dia's fiance, Gabby, we, uh, I'm crying all the time. Um, mostly because she bullies me, but <laughs> but um, Gabby who has been on our show by the way. Gabby who's been on our show, yes. Our show. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it's it's you know it's totally fine to have tears. Um, that has nothing to do with how strong I am, I am as a man. Nothing to do with how strong I'm going to be as a father and as a husband. Um, and I think that's everything about that is about how secure do I feel in my identity, not about whether I'm a man or, or a woman. I, I feel similarly in the sense of like vulnerability at the end of the day comes down to your ability to be humble mm. um, because you just need to own up to the fact that you did something wrong. Yeah. Which, hey, if you're not, if you're someone who struggles with that, like, yeah, like I think the calling here is no one is condemning you for having a hard time with owning that you're wrong. No one likes to be wrong. I hope uh, we all... <laughs> You know, we, we all want to know, we all want to be affirmed that the thing that we're doing is, is the right thing in any given moment. But I think just accepting that you are someone who has imperfections, um, knowing that those moments will come. And then when those moments do come, just be like, hey, you know, I messed up um, and I'm sorry for doing that. I'm sorry for hurting you. And I think, um, I think speaking from personal experience, I feel like receiving the sacrament of reconciliation, going to confession regularly helps me with that, where I'm, I am constantly reflecting on the things that I do wrong over and over again. Yeah. Go to the confessional, feels like I'm saying the same thing again. I'm apologizing again through the act of contrition. I'm promising that I'm going to do better. And then a month later, I'm saying the same thing again. Yeah. And it's kind of like you look at that from the father's point of view. Um, like yes he's God yes he is all merciful and all loving and if anything that's just for me a reminder that I need to try to be like that too right um, and in, in in being like that it means that I need to accept that um, I need to have those moments where I need to own up and I need to tell others that I might have messed up or even if it's a different kind of vulnerability where it's like I need to break down my own barriers and let the people around me see me, see the things that are affecting me, uh, challenges that I'm going through. Like, I think by now, even speaking from a secular sense, like the whole conversation around like mental health and, and just being who you are and all those things, like it is a lot more normalized nowadays, yeah. I think, which is good um, to kind of show that mm-hmm. vulnerability. But in general, I just feel like if you're able to present yourself as who you are at the core, for me, Practicing, like, being myself, I suppose, has really helped my life be easier, if I can make it really simple that way. So whether it's being vulnerable, whether it's saying sorry, or whether it's practicing the virtue of humility, um, like, I think think it's just recognizing that it's not a big deal. I'm remembering a a Kevin O'Leary quote. Mm -hmm. Kevin O'Leary, definitely not a particularly Catholic role model, but um, (laughs) (laughs) he says, uh, he says this one line that he learned from his mother, which is so true. Always tell the truth that way you never have to remember what you said. And in that same sure. way, yeah. in that same yeah. way, like always be your authentic <laughs> self and you never have to remember anything. It's yeah. just this is this was me. Um, so again, not saying Kevin O'Leary is a theologian or anything like that, but uh, that's one line that, that he said that's really really No, funny. but that harkens me back to when I was a kid and I'd like try to spin lies to my yeah. parents. And I'd like come up with little details that in my 11 year old head totally made sense i was like oh it's totally normal for like so i I remember one time i was trying to sneak onto the computer um while my parents were out and then basically they came home earlier than i expected so i had to like shut everything down and i was like okay what excuse am i gonna come up with and i was like oh there's a power outage around the neighborhood (laughs) and then my parents were like there's a power outage like everything outside like there's lights on um none of our clocks have reset which is the telltale sign of a power outage and in my head i'm like wow I thought that totally made sense. <laughs> now I'm going to be punished and my computer time is going to be taken away. So, uh, but anyway, yes, to your point. Yeah, like, you know, just uh, constantly tell the truth yeah. and show that truth self. Go Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, there, there's another question that we want to touch on here, which is the idea of raising children, mm-hmm. uh, which we've, we've spoken a little a, a bit about. But is there a particular way that you want to raise your child when it comes to being a good father, specifically when it comes to being a man? Yeah, I think um, for myself, um, I guess I'm a little closer than you guys to this one, but when I, when I think about raising a son, uh, 
a lot of it has to do with this particular piece of vulnerability. Um, showing him my, my vulnerable side, showing him that, you know, dad is uh, has faults, but that doesn't mean I'm any less strong. You know, showing him all of these things, uh, particularly because of how um, charged the conversation around gender and these things is in the world mm-hmm. today and in the, in the world that our children mm-hmm. will grow up in. Showing him that there is value in being a strong man. Um, what I mean by that is like just showing him how I love his mother, you know, and, and how and pointing out to him like how she responds to that, mm-hmm. how I receive her love and how we both respond to that. Um, I think these are such important things that go beyond anything in a textbook, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to, like someone said to me once um, that men ought to be affirmed in their manhood, that they are like the head of the household and women ought to be cherished. That is something that's like built into our identity as men and women. Um, that if you just say it, it sounds whatever. But when you see it lived, when you see the moments where um, your mom is kind of panicking and your and your dad just kind of comes, he just puts a hand on her shoulder and you just watch the whole thing diffuse. Like that manhood is like, wow, that was important that the pillar of the family was there and everything was stabilized. Mm-hmm. Or the situations where the mom comes in and is loving, where the father's a little bit too stern. Like seeing that dynamicism is so important to understanding why gender roles matter and why they exist mm-hmm. and why they're part of God's, you know, uh, design for the domestic church, right? So I think that's one of the biggest things for me is just embracing the differences in our in our genders and the way that we can interact and just really like smothering our children with that, honestly. Um, D, I'm going to let you follow up, but I want to quickly clarify my original question in the sense of so Andrew came up with this question, but I interpreted it incorrectly. So the way I asked it originally was, how would you want to raise your children as a man? But I think the the question that Andrew had put down was actually, how would you want to raise a son to grow up to be a man kind of thing? So if anyone listened to Andrew's answer just now, where he immediately answered to be like, I would want to raise my son, da 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 He's not saying he doesn't want a daughter. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, it's just confusing because of the way I misinterpreted the question. So the actual question to kind of set the things properly here is like you know if you are raising a son how would you raise your son to become a man yeah. essentially sorry do you go ahead. yeah no yeah. um i think it's important to think about how you were raised as a son mm. and thinking about how um how your the culture that you grew up in how that kind of influenced your father's parenting yes. style yes and i don't know for some of you listening you like you may have this kind of dynamic in your own family where, you know, it's not uh, it's not too uncommon for people to grow up in very toxic family environments. Yeah. And I think that can really uh, make cause a lot of wounds in, in children. And, yeah, yeah. And it can really affect how they how they grow up and how they develop, but most probably how they parent their their own children. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to recognize that. Firstly, our our human parent, like our earthly parents are not perfect and yeah. they, they are definitely flawed. But I think it's also important to understand and identify the dynamics that exist in this, in generations past and how, you know, if you look at generations prior and even to your generation now, like what types of uh, dynamics are kind of subconsciously being um, invited into your generation now. And I think we have to be vigilant to identify what those are and what what is what is prudent you know like what kind of authoritative styles are prudent to to bring into Mm -hmm. our family and what kind of disciplinary styles what kind of like communication styles yeah are are are, um are prudent to bring into your own family life but i think it also calls for some creativity and a lot of reliance on the spirit and prayer to think about ways in which and i think in cooperation with your spouse uh, to think about ways in which you can raise your children to, um, you know, stay in the church, um, you know, grow up with good values, uh, you know. And I think there's so many ways where you can bring that about, but I think it begins with, like, recognizing, okay, where did I come from? How was I raised? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think also, too, like, thinking about how our sons 
like as just as boys how they're kind of wired to uh to live right like or how they like how yeah like how their biology kind of influences how they conduct themselves in relationships right Mm -hmm. and so uh something that i was like looking at or looked up recently was this concept of the masculine genius and how how men are i was wondering if there was if that was a thing actually because yeah, feminine genius comes up all the time and i'm like there has to be an opposite yeah and so yeah no, no, it's fine um and so there are three con three uh like biological um i guess you could say characteristics of a man that kind of dictate how they are um how they conduct themselves in relationships like i said so there's there's the gender generative generativeness mm-hmm. the, the generativeness of man um the compartmentalization of, of men and then also this uh this concept of, of being courageous and so the the generativeness kind of speaks to this there and we know this right like the outward um expression of of the male body and mm-hmm. and how we're called as we've been talking about to 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 die to ourselves and to serve and that's just kind mm-hmm. of our our innate disposition as men um and then the compartmentalization piece kind of speaks about how how the brain of men uh is wired in a particular way that doesn't actually allow for um much kind of emotional interference with our decision making and i, I think it really speaks to how well we can like be very decisive and yeah and more rational um and i think and then the the final one too is is this idea of men kind of just having this courageous uh, nature and i think that really stems from the influence of testosterone in your bodies and and then how it just kind of drives us to be more um competitive and and it's just a different type of drive that we have to accomplish certain things in life and so i think knowing this about our future children our sons in particular how can we um, use these three characteristics of their biological profile and parent them in a way that not that doesn't um, suppress those things but in a way kind of hones those three characteristics mm-hmm. to uh, be directed towards a good right directed towards their faith directed towards being loving being humble um, being faithful Right, and I think as fathers we have this responsibility to uh, prepare them for for what's to come as as men as they grow up. Right, again we 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 note that we can't be everything that our son needs us to be, but we can do our best to prepare. And I think it's it's helpful to know like the, this these concepts of the masculine genius because it helps it gives us kind of a uh, some reference points. Yeah, like a yeah. reference point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just helps us have know what tools are at, are at our disposal, yeah. right? And also, it helps us understand, you know, why things are different. I think one of the things that I struggle with sometimes is, is projecting my own uh, virtues on other people, my own um, charisms, that's the word. Mm. Um, you know, where, let's say, that decisiveness piece, right? Like, I can be little bit quicker to make decisions like why can't you and like that kind of a thing but realize that there is a difference between the feminine and the masculine genius Mm -hmm. um and not being impatient because probably the flip side there and like maybe the flaws on the on the masculine genius is that we can't be impatient right Mm -hmm. and just realizing that and just understanding what's happening i think one of the really interesting things about overall just like theology or just learning about things like this is that more often than not, these are kind of the measuring sticks to know that you're not crazy. You know, like, it's just when we hit these situations, I know that this is normal for men. You know, I'm not a bad dad for being impatient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, but I need to know it and I need to be able to deal with that. Um, so, so definitely. It's actually really interesting when you, when you're going through two, I was trying to find, and I, I'm really annoyed that I can't remember what this program is called. Um, but there's a program, um, it, in, um, I think it started in the States, I want to say, or maybe in Europe. I can't remember. Anyways, it's for boys and their dads to go on camping trips together. Um, and it's like, it's focused on, uh, it's, it's a Catholic program. Um, it's kind of like Boy Scouts, 
but the difference being um, that it's together with the dad and the, and the boy, and it's, like, focused and just doing, like, stupid masculine things, right? You were talking about, like, uh, what kind of brought me to think about this uh, was, Dia, you were talking about knowing how our children are growing up, how our sons are in terms of, like, their nature when they're growing up and how we interact with that. There are stupid things that, that boys will do that where their mothers will go crazy and their dads will be like, yeah, let's go for it. (laughs) Right. And it's really funny because like, this is a space for that to happen, but in a good Catholic setting. Mm. And the other piece that's really cool about this program, which I can't remember. And I'm really, really annoyed, um, is that it gives alternative good, uh, male role models. Yeah. Um, cause one of the things we want to talk about is any male role models that we've had who we want to talk about. You've already talked about knowing how we were brought up, right? Do you like knowing how our fathers were figures mm-hmm. for us, right? For good or for bad, you know, we learned from them. Um, and in this sense, one of the, one of the great things, um, or important things in terms of raising children is having good Catholic adults that aren't your parents. Yeah. So that you see that it's, this is not just, you know, not just my dad, DA, is great. This is what it means to be a good Catholic man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just DA. So when, when I hang out with DA, and hopefully Uncle Andrew and Uncle Jason too, like all of them have this characteristic about them, this calmness, this trust in the Lord. So that's normal in me growing up. Um, again, Bishop Byrne talks about this in that pod, but it's something that's so, so cool. And something that, you know, this camp, when I heard about it, that was what got me excited. It was like, wow, this is a place for like everyone to be dumb together, but for all of us to do it in a way that is true to the faith. In a way for, I think it's it's really cute actually. Like the children will be earning medals in terms of how they're like going through the different <laughs> steps, but so will the dads, right? As the dad is going with the child, like the dad's also earning medals and like the dad has their own program. So it's like kind of cool where you're both doing things together, but differently. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, like, I can probably do some things that you can't as a child. I kind of hope so. But that doesn't mean I'm not also earning my stripes, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, really cool. You need to find out what the name I of do need to find out what the name of this program is. U.S., Europe, somewhere on Earth. <laughs> I think it came from Europe, and yeah. then and then we picked it up. And it, anyways. Yeah. Um, so I think we've had lots of good conversation, uh, like, to the point where I almost feel like we're wrapping up here a little bit abruptly. Um, just because, yeah, like, it's been so good. You know, I, hopefully this has truly been... A podcast-worthy type of conversation, <laughs> men's session. Um, but I, I've even I've just learned a lot. You know, first of all, what DA's name stands for, but also <laughs> like all the other things. Just uh, when it comes to the vocation of becoming a husband, the, the vocation of marriage, the, the vocation of being a father. Um, and so we hope that this has been, as always, helpful. That this has been a reference point, uh, kind of our own thoughts on on. Um, all those things when it comes to our vocations. And if you're listening and you're discerning the same thing, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts as always. And hopefully something that we said today um, sparks some inspiration in you. So um, I, I think we should call it. DA, thank you for for joining us. Um, like I said, just in the first five minutes, we already knew you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're the perfect guest We're to humbled. have. Yeah, so oh, no, thanks appreciate for having you guys. Up. Yeah, appreciate it. For sure. So um, everyone listening, you will hear from us next time. See you everyone.